Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, Tech fans, and welcome into episode 150 of the Tech Sideline podcast originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On today's episode, I ask Will and Chris the simple question, can Virginia Tech bounce back from a disappointing loss against Liberty and now playing number 9 Miami this weekend? Plus, we finally talk a little bit of Virginia Tech basketball towards the end of the show. It's a milestone podcast. Episode 150 of the Tech Sideline Podcast gets started right now. It is great to have you with us as we welcome you back into the Tech Sideline Podcast, whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher. So glad you could join us today as we record on Thursday afternoon, November the 12th. We've got our general manager and founder, Will Stewart, with us, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, the best podcast producer behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart. And I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. A reminder throughout the show, if you have a question or a comment you'd like to make, a question for Will or Chris, we will get to them at the end of the show. You can drop it in the chat if you're watching live on YouTube. This week and every week, the Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. The Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia, to date, the firm has defended tens of thousands of people charged with moving violations. For free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free. The number is 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. Or email the Fisher Law Firm at info at fisherlegal.com. So last week, we introduced new music for the Tech Sideline podcast intro which and is outro. Which is still awesome. It's still awesome. <laughs> yes. And for those that are watching today, we've got something else that's awesome this week. We have a brand new Tech Sideline logo hanging at the top of the podcast set. Will? Right, so, right, so Malcolm's, Malcolm's got it on video. So I previewed this on Twitter the other night. I, I bought a, that's a tabletop. So I bought a 30-inch tabletop and uh, did some LED strip lighting to backlight it and uh Right now, the Tech Sideline sticker that's on it is just taped on. It's I'm, I'm waiting for a newer, higher-resolution sticker to get in. But uh, I, I, I built it at home the other night, and it looked really awesome. And then I hung up there, and it, it looks pretty awesome. But it's interesting. The backlighting kind of disappeared when we put it up against that dark wall. So i got to put another uh, strip of uh, LED lighting behind that. But I'm pretty pumped about it. It looks good. And I promise Chris Coleman it will not fall on your head. Oh, God. I'm so glad when that TV fell, I was not sitting here. That would not have been good. Well, yeah. Um, Man, I can't believe we hung a TV from that wall. I can't either in hindsight. That's 
so the disc is actually hanging from the ceiling. It is not stressing the wall at all. And uh, um, we're, we're pretty pumped about it. Always, you know, striving forward to be better here on the TSL podcast. You know, there's been a lot that's been going on with the podcast. I mentioned the new music. Of course, we now have the new sign. And of course, you guys are, you guys just bought another office space to make more room for the Tech Sideline podcast. I bring that up because it's episode 150. Chris, when we first started doing podcasts here at TSL, did you ever think that it would grow to be what it is right now? No, couldn't couldn't have seen that at all. I mean, I remember we first just did the audio version out of our office in Rafford. Pull the mic up. There you uh, go. Out of our office in Rafford, and then we moved over here, slowly added a video element, which, honestly, that's a, we should have just skipped that little cell phone video. Oh, man. Put so, my cell phone in the it, little tripod. It, it, was, it was so bad compared to what we, we do now. Not that what we do now is the best, but, yes, it's certainly come a long way. Yes, yeah, well, so, so to give you some history on that, um, so we, we did uh, – Ricky LeBlue got us started with the podcast in the old Radford office. And yeah, since it's episode 150, little podcast trivia, uh, the walls in that place were very thin. And the guy next door used to always get phone calls during our podcast. So you could, we could hear his phone ringing. It was very loud. I'm not sure it ever actually made it through the podcast. But uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I can still see the three of us, me and Ricky and Chris, every time that guy's phone would ring, just flipping at the bird through the wall. Like, there you go again. <laughs> phone ringing during the podcast. Um, so then we came over to this office and we were doing audio for a while. And whose idea was it to stick the iPhone at the end of the table? Well, I think it was mine because what I was, what I wanted to do was I wanted to find a way to get initially, if you guys remember, I started doing poll questions and mm -hmm. I wanted to try and get people's feedback. Uh, questions, yeah. feedback in during the show. So I was thinking, Hey, let's do Facebook live. And so we would just put it at the end of that table and, uh, Will would be, I think, at the end of the table, or Chris would be at the end of the table, and we would be and across from each other. And, and what, what was so stupid about that was if we had taken the, the tripod and put the phone on it, like, uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but we had it at the end of a long table. Mm -hmm. If we'd put it on, on one of the sides, we had a TSL logo on the wall, a couple of cool pictures. <laughs> I don't know what we were thinking, but uh, we, we struggled with the audio for that for a while. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, I told this story before, uh, summer of 2019, I went down to visit texags.com down in uh, college station and they're, they're a really big operation and they've, they've got a really cool set. They actually do Texags radio. So they go out on the radio over, over the airwaves in college station, like every morning for two or three hours. I don't know how we would talk about tech sports every well they have guests on and things I, like I that. i wonder if they're talking about jimbo fisher's 55 million dollar buyout these days uh oh, no, they they're winning this past yeah weekend. they're winning football games are they winning this they're number year? five in the country right they, oh, they, they, really? yeah that? they annihilated south carolina oh i know they beat south carolina this past weekend but, but that's not too difficult well you know they lost <laughs> alabama but that's alabama yeah. um so but we just went down and, and they had a they have a really cool set that they do Texags radio from, and then they released the video. So the kind of the light bulb went on, and we, we came back and, and built this set. Not we, uh, Yobo, uh, Yobo.dev from uh, Richmond, which is our programming and business consulting firm. Their guys came in and built this. It was all they're doing. Well, I remember getting that text from you just out of the blue. Hey, here's our podcast With set. We're moving the from set. the oval yeah. to this and uh, the oval table to this. And it's been uh, – So been... I still remember that was episode 73. And, and it's, there's no adornment to the set. The lighting is horrible, but it was pretty cool. And, and we kind of changed our, our format. Too. We remember we used to do the recap 
and the preview of the next football game in the same podcast. all in one podcast. Oof. And now we're doing two a week. So anyways, we could spend the whole podcast talking about how far uh, we've come. But I do want to just say, episode 150, You know, thank you to those that listen and watch because our yeah. numbers have just been so good over the last couple of months and we appreciate everybody's support and it's so much fun for us to to get to do this and to interact with you for questions at the end and on the boards and so I wish we, we had something fun to talk about for episode one well so so i wanted to say i also appreciate the subscribers that uh you know um we 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 were bleeding subscribers slowly when people weren't sure there was going to be a football season then when they actually started playing games things really picked up and even with the loss to Wake and the victory over Louisville and the loss to Liberty in the last three weeks, uh, you know, subscribers are still hanging in there. And, and we just really appreciate that everybody appreciates what we do enough to keep subscribing even when tech is losing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. Well, let's go ahead and dive right into what is going to be a busy show today because we're going to preview number nine Miami hosting Virginia Tech this Saturday. And at the end, we are going to mention and talk a little bit about Virginia Tech men's basketball. I know we've had some questions in the last couple of podcasts. When are you guys going to talk about basketball? Well, the schedule's been released, and uh, the, the the preseason poll in the ACC has been released. So we will get to that and, a little bit. And there was a Zoom press opportunity this morning that we're going to cover. And really the only uh, information there's been about basketball is that Mark Berman did an interview with Mike Young probably about a week ago, uh, Mark Berman of the Roanoke Times. But there really haven't been press opportunities, and they didn't even really release the schedule until just a few days ago. So I mentioned it in the open of the show that I was going to ask you two the simple question. Can Virginia Tech bounce back from a disappointing loss against Liberty, now playing the number nine team in the country? Will, can they do it? Yes. Um, there is a long history of um, Virginia Tech uh, bouncing back from losses where you thought they were in the tank, you know, going back to just last year, 45 to 10 lost to Duke, where it just looked like Fuente had completely lost the team. Then they go down to Miami and was it 28, nothing at the end of the first quarter, you know, and, and Miami has always been very accommodating in, in helping Virginia tech bounce back from difficult times. And, and, the, and, and as we drill into uh, breaking down Miami, um, you'll see that De'Eric King is really the straw that stirs the drink there. You know, that uh, as, as an overall team, they're they're gettable, you know, and um, you just never know what's going to happen in one of these games. So it could happen. Am I going to pick it? No, but it could definitely happen. It wouldn't surprise me in the least. Yeah, it was actually – if Tech beat Miami this year, I'd actually, I'd actually be less surprised than I, I was last year when, when they did it. Um, yeah. For whatever reason, I, I don't know why that is. Um, I guess maybe the fact that it happened last year makes me. Well, that was Hooker's first start. Last well, it year, was right? Hooker's. It was Hooker's first start, so we didn't know what was going to happen there. Um, the, the 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 main difference here is actually at that point in the season. I know it doesn't seem like it when you're coming off a forty-five to ten loss to Duke, but Tech got stronger that week, and they got stronger because they put Hooker in the game at quarterback. So they improved their quarterback situation that week. Obviously, they can't really improve their quarterback situation. Now, Hooker's having a really good good year. But they also improved their wide receiver situation that week because they got Hazleton back healthy. Wow. So, Tech was getting stronger at that point as a football team. And now they're having guys drop like flies, particularly on offense. So, I don't think they're getting stronger now. I think they're getting That's weaker. a solid point. You know, and specifically what we're talking about is Herbert possibly being and Mitchell, out, Mitchell right, being and, out. But the thing is, like, so, uh, yes, uh, Tech can. Uh, 
it's going to be one of those things, though, that like I don't think they can beat Miami's A game. No chance. Yeah, uh, right. Miami's going to have to turn the football over and screw up, and Virginia Tech will have to play well enough to take advantage of it. And, and even some of best Tech's best wins against Miami, like the 1998 game, was just a classic with NFL players all over the field. Miami turned it over five times that game, and it may have even been like five times in a row. And Tech still I think barely like in the second it. half, wasn't it? Like third quarter into the beginning of the fourth oh, quarter. Oh, man, they, like just, they were just hemorrhaging the football there for a while. So, so like I said, they've been pretty accommodating at times. We're going to talk about Miami's offense. Derek King, maybe one of the best quarterbacks Virginia Tech will see all year. We'll talk about their defense and Quincy Roche. We'll talk about their special teams unit because if there's one thing I learned last week is I will always pay attention to the special teams a little bit uh, closer than typically on the podcast because you never know when it comes down to a last-second field goal. I want to ask you guys this question, though. Um, If Khalil Herbert, who barely played last week against Liberty, and James Mitchell, who did not play, such key pieces on offense, if they don't play, how much does that change things on offense? Oh, it changes things a lot. I mean... Look, if if those guys don't play, then tw- then then Hendon Hooker's carrying it twenty plus times. Yeah, the same thing happened last weekend. It was it was yeah. the Hendon Hooker right. show. Right, absolutely. Now, Tech's offense has been better the last two weeks. Um, the passing game's been better. Like uh, as much flack as we were giving the receivers earlier in the season, when they played a poor game against Wake Forest, they've played much better since. It was almost like. They got their system shocked against Wake Forest, and they've been much better, especially Trey Turner has been much, much better the last two yeah, weeks. Yeah, Trey dropped a first down pass late in the game against Liberty the other day and then made three really good catches but right he, after that. He's played so well the last two weeks that I think his grade this year is up to an 82. Wow. Which which uh, we were talking about the receivers has, haven't developed. You have to wait till the end of the season to let all the grades come yeah. in before you can determine that. But, but – uh, but yeah, he's. Uh, it's almost like well, we know he was hurt, didn't practice leading into the weight game, so maybe he's healthier now. Uh, maybe maybe the criticism they faced after the Wake Forest game really lit a fire under them. But yeah. at any rate, the receivers have been playing well the last two weeks. They're going to have to keep playing well if Virginia Tech doesn't have Khalil Harbert and James Mitchell this weekend, obviously. But uh, yeah. it's going to be a lot of carries for for Hendon Hooker if the, if those guys can't play, and it, there have to, there has to be. Um, he is his, his PFF grade is the number one in the country of all quarterbacks for for rushing for rushing. Yeah. But so basically, that's the strength of the offense. And if you don't do it, you abandon your strength. And we thought that last weekend would be uh, Raheem Blackshear's coming out party. It wasn't. It wasn't. He touched the ball maybe ten times. And 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 I think I may have said this on the podcast Monday. I'm I'm just starting to wonder if. I don't. I don't mean ever. I'm just starting to wonder if that's going to happen this year. And I know Chris has gone over how he got in late, it's missed some time, et cetera. It, it, eventually, you start hoping. You stop hoping for something to happen, and you realize this is the way it's going to be. Um, so, so I, I think if it doesn't happen against Miami, if you don't see, let's say Herbert doesn't play, if you don't see Raheem Blackshear touching the ball 15 or 20 times, then you can just forget about it. It's not going to happen. They did get him involved more in the passing game yeah. last week. I yeah. think he caught three or four passes, yeah. um, had nine carries. Uh, so I think the effort was there to a certain extent. He's not the same t- type of running back as Khalil Herbert. Like He's not a guy who's going to take a deep handoff sit patient behind the line of scrimmage for a few seconds and then find the perfect hole, you know, use his vision to manipulate the defenders 
and create a hole. Yeah. That, that's what Herbert's so good at. Blackshear needs to be in the open field, ideally catching the football while running forward in the open field, and that's that. when he's he's at his best. But that's not that's not really Hooker's strength as a quarterback. So. I, I, like the the the, the Blackshear you saw at Rutgers, I don't think it's po- possible to quite replicate that at Virginia Tech. Don't me don't get me wrong. I'm glad yeah, Tech player. got him, yeah. and I'm and I'm hopeful that after a spring practice and the passing game can improve that 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 he can be a much bigger part, bigger of, the part of the offense next yeah. year. Because you know, let's face it, they didn't have a chance to work with each other uh, in, in the spring or even in a lot of the preseason this year, to be quite honest. So I'm hopeful it can get better then, but it's unless they do something during the bye week. And and it, the bye week's going to be interesting this year because it's always like you always try to balance, okay, we want to work on us and get better, but the guys are banged up at this point in the season. You want to get guys healthy. Yeah, you know, Tech's going to want to get guys healthy, but it's also – you really want to get in there and really get to work on teaching your players the defensive scheme, right? But you also want them to get healthy. I know. So, you know. Uh, I, I, so you have to batch, try to balance that as a coach. I don't think I would balance it this year. I think I would practice the heck out of them. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one more thing about Raheem Blackshear before we go on. I, I, I think, you know, and, and I'm and I'm not the most astute X's and O's guy, but I but I think the the promise of Raheem Blackshear is he's so versatile and does so many things so well that you can do a lot of different things with him. Like like when Khalil Herbert's in, he's going to run the football. Raheem Blackshear can run the football, catch the football. He can line up in the slot. So his promise to to the promise of him to an offensive coordinator is you can run many things out of the same personnel group. And offense coordinators love that stuff. They mm-hmm. like they like that when they line up on the line of scrimmage, the defense doesn't know what's coming. So like yeah, right. And you can't exactly view Blackshear based on his numbers because of that. There, there are times in there where he's in the game and it's a big play for either Hendon Hooker so or So he allows other Herbert. things to happen. Right, right. Just the fact that he's on the field. Now, what will be interesting this week is to see if he's used on kickoff return and punt return. Obviously, there are some issues with Tavion Robinson on punt returns. Yeah. And when they had an issue earlier in the year, I think they put Blackshear back there in replace of Robinson for a game maybe. Uh, kickoff return? Even if if Herbert does play, I don't want to risk him on a kickoff return, right? Uh, I'm not exactly sure how good Miami's kicker is at kicking the ball out of the end zone anyway. But uh, Now, hang on a second. I did the research last night. It's about two-thirds of his kickoffs. Okay, so Tech will have an opportunity. Their, their opponents have returned 11 kicks in seven games. I think they played seven So you got to figure Miami will probably score about six touchdowns, so Tech will get three kickoff returns, something like that. Two or three, right? yeah. So <laughs> and it's sad to say that Miami will probably score six touchdowns, but they probably will. So Tech will get chances to return kickoffs in this game. Uh, I would not. Kashawn King was out last week. We don't know what his status is going to be this week. No. Honestly, I wouldn't be playing him anyway. I'd be forcing him to do squats because uh, <laughs> the most important thing and, for and eating sandwiches and eating sandwiches because the most important thing for his future is his weight and his strength, not whether he's returning kickoffs in twenty twenty. Um, but yeah, I, I think Blackshear. I think you could see him more on special teams this week potentially. I'll even bring Kashawn up. Four pack of stick it in there if that helps him put Those on weight. Those are the bad kind of carbs, though, man. Yeah. And I don't know if he's twenty one. Yeah, we. Yeah, he's we'll, probably getting close, but you're right. Yeah. So we, we would never endorse that. Never, <laughs> never. <laughs> Let's. Uh, I want to ask you guys this question. It was announced earlier in the week that Justin Fuente is heading up the scout team work 
uh, in preparation for Miami. First time he's ever done that. What kind of message do you think that sends to the team, Will? Well, I will, uh, um, in the interest of full disclosure, this is one of those rare weeks where I did not read all of the press conference quotes and, and follow all of the articles. So I will have to defer that one to Chris. But on the surface, I why is the head coach running the scout team? Well, because he didn't feel like the scout team did a good job the last two weeks. Interesting. Of giving the, the defense a good read. Now, it's obviously hard to simulate the, the speed of some of these mobile quarterbacks, but yeah. I guess he felt like there wasn't enough energy over there. Um, and when your head coach when your head coach in the middle of the season decides to start doing something with your group that he's never done before, <laughs> it means he's unhappy with you. So, I th- so I'm sure that, uh, you know, I don't know how the game on Saturday is going to turn out, but if Virginia Tech loses, I, I will be willing to bet that it won't be because the scout team didn't <laughs> didn't have a good week, right? Um, so whoever's over there replicating De'Aaron King is probably working really hard. Yeah, right? they're all working really, really hard this week. Now, it it it, it fires those guys up, of course, and, and helps them practice. Well, it gives them better. an opportunity to be seen by the head coach. That, that's the other part of it. They, they need they need to think of it. And uh, and if, if, if I was Fuente, this is what I'd tell him. He's like, look, I haven't been happy with you the last couple of weeks, and that's why I'm here. But at the same time, you guys that are they're, well, not red shirting, but you guys that aren't playing this year and that but have an opportunity to play next year, I'm going to be sitting here watching you. You know, you have a chance to impress the head coach heading into the off season. And that's, that's very, very important. So take advantage of it. This, this is your audition. Yep. Uh, let's go ahead and dive right into Miami. So four and three Virginia tech travels to play the five and one ninth ranked Miami hurricanes on Saturday. Miami's lone loss was to Clemson early in the season. Chris, is this Miami team legit compared to years past? Are they a pretender or a contender? There's it's kind of somewhere in between. Like, I think there's such a big difference, obviously, between the elite and everybody else that, like, okay, Miami's number nine in the country, but like number four, Clemson steamrolled them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So there's the the gulf between the elite and everybody else. College is so football big, is becoming dude. like college women's basketball. Oh, you know, the yeah. teams at the top are just really just, dominant. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think they're. If their quarterback doesn't turn the football over and continues to make big plays, then then they're a they're a contender. Now they would need help to make the ACC championship game because they lost to Clemson. Uh, Evan, do you know if they play Notre Dame? The, no, they have not, and they don't. <clears throat> I put their remaining schedule. Um, yeah. The thing, thing is, like, if you look at their PFF grades and you actually just look at them as a team, like. King has made such a big difference. They got really good defensive ends, but other than that, they just they don't have a whole lot, honestly. Uh, it's just the ACC is not very good. Well, one of the things Miami's yeah. been missing for years is quarterback is play, a, is a quarterback. and they've got they finally they finally got it this and, year. For, and so for it's one not year. just a question of executing at quarterback; it's a question of the effect it has on the entire team. Right. You know, when your quarterback's out there chucking interceptions, it just affects the whole team. Right. You know, and mm. and. But when you've got a guy that that you can count on, it, it fires up the defense and the rest of the offense. And, and apparently, uh, you know, they just didn't have great leadership from that position in the past either. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just never know what you're going to get from Miami. Like, when Virginia Tech upset them last year, I bet there was no – well, besides Virginia Tech fans, there was nobody more shocked than Miami fans, right, yeah. and the Miami players. Um so what did they do after that game? They won four of their next five, and they beat a good Virginia team, a good Louisville team, and 
There was an, there was another pretty good team Pitt, in there. That Pitt was in there. Pitt was in there. Yeah. <clears throat> so they were the start. They started playing better after they lost to Virginia Tech. Won four of their next five, and then their last three games they lost to Florida International, Duke, who was bad last year, and then in the bowl game they lost to Louisiana Tech fourteen fourteen to nothing. To nothing. So and, they just didn't show up. For three and, games. and so like, you win four out of five. And you beat some good teams, and then all of a sudden, and if you remember the Florida International game, it was like some of the players went out the night before the game. They went out clubbing in Miami. Some, and, some and, key players. And, and and then the next day, it was probably a noon game. They were all in there, and it was, it's like varsity blues, right? When, when, when Jonathan Moxon takes the team out the night before a game and – did not go so well that next that next game, right? <laughs> so that's what my Emmy players. I got to go back and watch that movie again. Oh yeah, it's great. Another movie I have not seen. Oh what? Uh, <laughs> that's ridiculous. I, I do <laughs> want to shout out an Evan in the chat who asks, "Why does Evan keep saying the game's at Miami?" I apologize. I know did the game really? is at Lane Stadium. I did. Yeah. I, uh, I appreciate a fellow Evan looking out for another I, Evan. I, I would I would I would feel better if the game was at Miami. Okay. Yes, because they'll go out the night before. If the, if the game was at Miami, there's always a chance those Miami players go out the night before. Maybe they went out the night before the game last year. We I don't know. know. That's right. Because they certainly played like they did. Yeah. But if the game's in Blacksburg, there's nothing to do. They're going to be in their hotel room the night before, man. They're, they're going to get a good night's sleep and they're going to be ready to play. I'd rather play them in Miami this year, to be honest. I want to spend some time talking about Houston transfer quarterback D.R. King. He's completing nearly 64% of his passes. He has over 1,800 yards to the air, 16 touchdowns to four picks, and he is two yards shy of leading the team in rushing. He has 406 yards on the ground. Chris, yeah. over the last three weeks, we've seen Cunningham of Louisville. Hokies have seen Willis of Liberty. Now they're going to see King of Miami. Who's the most dangerous quarterback I, of those three? I, I th- certainly think King is the most consistent. He's, most he, consistent, he, yes. he doesn't turn the ball over. Um, he's a so, good athlete. So let me jump in here and let's clarify that. You just said he had four interceptions. But his turnover-worthy play rate is, on, is only 1.9%. Only one out of every yeah. 50 plays is he, is he going to fumble or throw he, an interception. Right, so he – he doesn't screw up like Cunningham. Yeah. Um, he's a, a pretty be- high turnover. Right. He's a better passer than Willis. And how many times did Willis fumble? Uh, he fumbles a lot. Yeah. Twice last week, I yeah, think. Yeah, at right? least uh, twice. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he doesn't screw up like Cunningham, and he is a better natural passer than Willis, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I think he's the best quarterback that Tech has faced in the last three weeks, and it's going to be a monumental challenge for sure to stop him and he's you can't say he hasn't had a fun college experience man you know he started off as a wide receiver at uh houston uh was a wide receiver for a couple of years caught 50 to 60 passes 58 passes or something like that scored scored receiving touchdowns then the next year moved to quarterback uh and he also returned kicks in there so throughout the course of his college career he's caught touchdown passes He's rushed for touchdowns. He's thrown touchdown passes, and he even ran a kickoff back for a touchdown when he was at Houston. That's like a, that's like a high school career. That's like what the best player on your high school team does. Yeah, they right? get him the ball. Yeah, that, 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 that's quite a career. That was Chris Coleman back in the day when he not, was playing high school football. Not so much. So, so not that King, not that Virginia Tech is a big time blitzing team, but uh, this is an interesting stat. King has been lethal against the blitz with the highest passing grade in the conference. And ten big time throws against the bl- against the blitz, mm-hmm. and Phil Drakovic of Boston College is second with six. So this is a guy; he just doesn't, you know. 
I, I, one of the things I always find interesting when we're previewing these games is what does a guy do when the pocket breaks down? And Jerkovic is very good. He, his grade basically doesn't change when mm-hmm. the pocket breaks down. And, and King is also very dangerous. Whereas I think it was Cunningham got a lot worse when the pocket broke He's down. He's terrible. Yeah. yeah, as we saw. And Tech took advantage of that by blitzing a lot and forced yeah. a couple turnovers on those blitzes when they got close to him. Yeah. There's I, – I, this is tough for Tech's defense. I, but when you think about his strengths and weaknesses, it's like, okay, you don't want to blitz him because he'll pick you apart, right? So Or worse, scramble. Uh, well, neither one's worse. They're neither one's bad. worse. There, He's awesome at both. So – you want to rush four, like from that standpoint, you think, okay, it's probably a good idea to, to rush four and keep your linebackers in zone so they're able to come up and tackle him. But here's the thing, Tech can't play zone. Tech is terrible in zone defense this year. So, and it, so if you play man and you put your linebackers in man coverage, they're going to have their back backs turned to him, right, which is going to give him a lot of room to scramble. So. It's just not a, not a great answer here for Virginia Tech, and I don't think outside of Tisdale, I don't think Tech's linebackers are athletic enough to keep up with him in the open field anyway. So, we don't even know how healthy Ashby is. Even if he was one hundred percent healthy, he's not. He's I don't not. Yeah, he's I don't, not Rayshard like Ashby matchup. this year, right? So uh, uh, this is getting away from the Derek King discussion, but uh, their center has has a bad pass blocking grade. So maybe. Maybe you can do some stunts or something like that. But if you do a stunt, you're removing a defensive end from the side and sending him up the middle and, and yeah, possibly losing r- Right. So, exactly. You've got a stunt is basically when two defensive tackles switch, switch spots post snap, basically. Yeah. You got to have quick players to do that. And Tech has, does have quick defensive linemen, so that they can do that with effectiveness. But, <clears throat> you know, if. if if you get caught up in a double team or something like that when, you, when you're stunting and. You know, stunning can it can be boom or bust for a defense, especially against a, against a mobile quarterback sometimes. Because if he hits it right, he can gash you. Um, yeah. So it's just this is a major, major challenge for the Virginia Tech defense, in my opinion. And again, I want to reiterate this. I don't know if we said this, but De'Ar King is the highest graded quarterback in the ACC, edging out Trevor Lawrence, Hendon Hooker, and Sam Howell. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, he doesn't turn the football over, which I think is so because Malik Willis was so good on paper, but like we noticed last week, he fumbled the football a lot, and he did fumble the ball against Virginia Tech. I, I just have this image of De'Ar King in my mind outside the pocket, zing, just, just throwing a dart and hitting somebody, you know, and I, that's probably what elevates him above those other guys. And, yeah, and, you know, he, like – his first game against UAB, it wasn't all that impressive, but ever since then... He's been good. He's been really, really good. And that's not too surprising because, you know, I mean, he didn't get to go through spring practice and a new offense and everything like that. that that's hurt. So, I mean, considering the fact that he comes from a different background, and I don't know, maybe you got Miami... Maybe Miami got some of their spring in. They are in Miami. Oh, uh, they so, may have, yeah. So that probably <laughs> helped them to a certain extent. <laughs> Pretty sure Clemson, of course, got, of course in, got a Clemson week or two did. in. Yeah. You know, in Chris's game preview, which is on my techsideline.com, I encourage everybody to go read it. The reason we're spending so much time talking about D.R. King, the headline for the offense in the article, the one-man show, dot, 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 kind of. And it explains why D.R. King is really the engine that makes Miami go on offense. I want to bring up the game last week. So the Hurricanes uh, scored 10 points in the fourth quarter, beat NC State 44-41 to on a Friday night game. It looked like the Wolfpack were going to upset Miami. Yeah, it did. With Bailey Hockman. Here were the numbers for King against North Carolina State. 31 of 41 through the air, 430 passing yards, five touchdowns, no picks. (laughs) On the ground, 
15 carries for 105 yards. And I want to point out that last week against uh, North Carolina State, Miami ran King on design runs 14 times. His previous high for number of design runs in a game was seven in the second game against Louisville. So they saw some. I uh, I always played NCAA football on, like, depending on my slider settings, I'd either have them on All-American difficulty or Heisman difficulty for more of a challenge, right? Of course. Um, but every now and then you like to just play an exhibition game, set it down to JV level just to watch some cool highlights, and that's kind of like king against NC State apparently. I mean, those stats, that's ridiculous. So what you guys talked about it a little bit defensively, but what what can Virginia Tech defensively do <laughs> to try and contain him? I Honestly, know. I have no idea, Evan. I, I don't have an answer. I don't know. That. Play better than you have the last two weeks. I mean, I, honestly, I don't think there's any more you can do from an X's and O's standpoint. Um, just mean, yeah, just try to make plays. Um, I think I think Tech Tech got outnumbered in the running game uh, against Liberty up front in the traditional running game. Uh, uh, and maybe that's a Justin Hamilton issue. Maybe it's not. But as far as what Hamilton's done to try to contain mobile quarterbacks. I think schematically he's done everything fine. They just haven't been able to do it because they don't have enough good players. And that's not going to magically change on November 12th in the middle of the season. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't think there's uh, there's not some magic button you can push and say, oh, this is what they have to do to stop him. Because like I said, you know, you can blitz him and he'll burn you. You can sit back in zone, but Tech can't play zone. Um, Tech's linebackers aren't athletic enough to deal with him anyway, except for Tisdale, and he's small. So I just, I just don't think it's a horrible matchup, and Tech needs to score a lot of points. Let's transition to look at the rest of this uh, Miami offense. And I mentioned that on the season, King has 406 rushing yards. Their top running back, Cameron Harris, has 408 rushing yards. Will, you look at the start of uh, to the season that Harris had. He went over the century mark in his first two games since Harris has not broken over 50 yards rushing in a game. So does it feel like this rushing attack starts with King and that's the focal point? It looks that way so far. I mean, if you look, they both average five yards a carry. Look at their stats. They're almost identical. Yeah. Uh, Harris has 81 rushes, 408, five yards carry, five touchdowns. King has 82 rushes, 406, five yards carry, two touchdowns. Um, I don't. I don't know that. Hmm. I don't know that you can draw judgments on on Miami's traditional running game and what it's going to look like against Virginia Tech because you've seen a number of teams just line up and go right at the middle of the Tech defense. Liberty did it. Duke did it. NC State did it. Wake did it. You know. I don't know. I don't know if Miami's more of an inside or an outside team. Louisville, their bread and butter is, is that outside that, that stretch, stretch play. Yeah. But that's that's the one thing Tech does have. They've got some quickness on the defensive line because they're so small. So one of so they shut the, the Louisville running game down because of that. So one of the things we miss on these Thursday podcasts is Brandon Patterson has not done his scouting report yet for right. us. So we are left with, and, and this this became an issue uh, last week. I'll tell you a little story. Um, <laughs> We sat here and we bad mouthed the Liberty kicker. He he had he was getting touchbacks on twenty five percent of his kicks. His longest field goal made was forty two, and he was two of six over thirty yards. We're like, oh, that guy's a bad kicker. Turns out not. 
turns out he was a transfer. He's a transfer from Penn State, and he was having some injury issues that he apparently got over because four of his six kicks went for touchbacks, and he, he crushed a 51-yarder to win it. So we do the best we can previewing this right. stuff. So when you ask a question like this, Chris makes a good point. What is Miami's running back rushing game? If it is more of an outside uh, zone stretch kind of thing, then Tech has shown against Louisville that they can de- defend that kind of thing using Alan Tisdale. But we don't know at this point. We won't know it until we read Brandon's in-depth preview. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And I will say this, Cameron Harris is their running back. He should be playing for Louisville because of the big play nature. Right, yeah, listen and, to this. And I'll say this, you know, you might spend most of the game thinking nothing about their running back and even thinking, oh, Virginia Tech's doing a great job against the run. <laughs> and then they're going to bust an 80-yarder because that's just what they do. Uh, so read the stat. Seven of his – all right, he has seven. Seven of his carries have gone for 248 yards this, this year. The other 73 carries have netted just 169 yards, two, which is just 2.3 yards per carry. 2.3 yards a carry. 59.5 percent of his yardages have come on those seven carries. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy who, like, like the Louisville offense, basically spends the whole game doing, or most of the game doing a whole lot of nothing. And then boom, boom breaks a big play, right? So, uh, so you might get that out of you. You could see some, some, some of that. Uh, so uh, you can't fall asleep uh, against him because he is capable, but like you capable, might, you capable ma- but not consistent, right? You, you, you can, or maybe he's the problem. Maybe, he, maybe the offensive line's problem. I, I don't know, um, but you know, you can stop him eight plays in a row, and then the ninth play, he's going to hit a big play. That's just it's kind of the nature of their offense. One, uh, is, I want to transition and look at the uh, Miami receiving core and the weapons that King has to look at. Part of the reason I think the numbers are not as good as they could be, Brevin Jordan, who's arguably their out. best target, has been out, and there's a chance that the Miami tight end Jordan might return this weekend against the Hokies. He's someone who could be a very high NFL draft pick in the upcoming draft. But one thing I wanted to point out, Chris, you mentioned this in your article that Derek King's PFF grade is 91.6, which means he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, rightfully so. But as you point out, only one other Miami player has played more than 33 snaps. Wide receiver Mike Harley has a grade above 70 on offense. So when you look at the receiving core, Harley, what do you see? Is Jordan that guy that you you worry about if he's back healthy? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, He's a a very, very good player. yeah, it, it, compared to the Tech offense, where I think nine of Tech's 11 starters grade out above a 70. In Miami, it's just one other guy besides De'Aaron King. So, like, if, if you think Miami's offense is better than Virginia Tech's, it's not. It's really not. It's really not. Um, Tech's players have been – Tech's individual players have been very, very good this year on offense for, for the most part. Um, you'd like to have more receiver depth, of course, and – I don't think the receivers kicked it up a gear until after the Wake Forest game, but but overall, Tech has a lot of good pieces on offense. Uh, this week, though, it's just a matter of are all those pieces actually going to be in there playing yeah. in the game. Uh, Brevin Jordan, his numbers on the 18 catches, 243 yards and three touchdowns, but he's been again out the last couple of weeks. Uh, last thing we'll touch on. Uh, Before we uh, head to a break, we'll talk about the defense just a moment. You mentioned the offensive line a little bit earlier, Will. um, What do you see in the trenches, Tech's defensive line against Miami's offensive line? What do you expect? Uh, It's it's encouraging that the the center, Corey Gaynor, is 
if you, at least if you go by grades, the the weakest part of their offensive line. Mm. Um, I, I think that that bodes well for Gerard Hewitt and uh, and Narelle Pollard. Um, they they're apparently not all that great at getting a push in the running game. They're 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 very they're average in rush yards before contact. Um, so. I think that's a – I'm not saying that's a mismatch in Virginia Tech's favor, but I think it's a good matchup in Virginia Tech's favor. It, it's – But, but De'Ara King negates yeah. all that. Yeah. I mean, I, I just – hopefully he has a bad game. Huh. So and, and when you sit here and you're like, man, our best chance to win is to hope the other team's best player, who pretty much never makes mistakes, has a bad game – uh, well, you know, you you look at Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker doesn't play like he played against Wake. Yeah, that's right. You know? You're right. Dude, Hendon Hooker is one of the highest-grading quarterbacks in the country. In the year. country. He has been fantastic. With that game added. Right, right. So even if you think about, like, the limitations of the traditional passing game this year, you know, it's it's honestly as it usually is. Like, Cornelson is really, really good at formulating an offense around his quarterback's strengths. Yeah. Right? That's what he's really good at. That's his strength as a coach. And we're seeing it this year. Like, like Hooker's overall grade is, is above a 90. And he's just doing a great job. And that's because he's been put in positions to succeed. Right. And yep. because he's a good runner. But, but nobody around the nation is talking about Hendon Hooker, and they're not going to. Right. You know, but but he is very effective in this offense. I've asked this question before. This will be our final one talking about the Miami offense. Look at Virginia Tech's schedule and who they played this so far this year. Is this the most explosive offense Virginia Tech will go up against so far this season? No, uh, North Carolina. Explosive? Well. In North Carolina and Louisville are and more Louisville explosive. Are more explosive. Yeah. Um, but perhaps, perhaps the guy who just gets the most out of his offense has got to be Derek King. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, Tech has certainly seen a lot of good offenses. Of course, they still have Clemson later in the year. There's been a lot of good offense in the ACC this year. All right, that's a look at the Miami offense. We're going to step aside for a break here on what a, what's a milestone podcast episode 150 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. But when we come back. We take a look at the Miami defense. We talk a little bit of hokey hoops, and then we get to your questions on YouTube Live. You're watching and listening to episode 150 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back into episode 150 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We've got Chris Coleman and Will Stewart on the set. Best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes. And I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. It's great to have you with us. We record, or we're recording right now, Thursday afternoon, November 12th, previewing Virginia Tech in Miami. Still to come on the podcast. We'll talk a little bit of Hokie Hoops, and we'll get to your questions. If you have one for Will and Chris, drop them in the YouTube chat, and I will read it to them at the end of the show. A reminder that the Tech Sideline Podcast is also presented by Southeast Regional Training Center. If you want to help Virginia Tech wrestling, go to southeastrtc.com. Two really big uh, um, signees yesterday for Tony Roby at Virginia Tech uh, and his staff bringing in 
Cooper Flynn, as well as Trey Kybe. Kybe is from Reedsville, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a state they really try hard to recruit. Mm -hmm. And Cooper Flynn is from Maryland. Uh, Flynn is number three uh, in the country in his weight class, and Kybe is number four in the country in his weight class. So again, and, and they're both top twenty-five guys. Correct. Overall, correct. Yeah. And so, just uh, another job well done from Tony. Five-star recruits in terms of man, that roster keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Can't wait. Which leads to increased competition in practice, which just makes you better and better. Oh, yeah. man. Wait till some guys hit the portal. Tony Roby's lost control of that program. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for those that are watching right now and you're wondering, why in the world is Will Stewart wearing a beanie on set? Well, Campus Emporium. Proud yes. partners and sponsors here of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Will, you're wearing a beanie right now. Tell us why. Yes, I look ridiculous. It's, it's the featured item of the week uh, from Campus Emporium, and we've got it. Linked on the website, and we'll drop the link uh, in the uh, description for this video on YouTube. Um, it's warm with the mask on. It's warm. I was about to ask you on a scale of one to ten, how warm are your ears right now? Is so, it, so I said on Twitter, these things make my head itch. You know, I can't, I can't wear these things. So the the question is, can we, can I survive to the end of the podcast wearing the beanie? Mm -hmm. We'll you know, I think Malcolm, you're already looking a little sweaty, like right oh, there. Oh, I know it. I yeah. know it. So I think Malcolm could rock that podcast right now. Put the big headset uh, headset he has on over the uh, the beanie. So, so what's the over under on the number of minutes Will can last wearing wearing the beanie? Yeah, it's about to turn. Let's go uh, over under twenty. Uh, twenty. God, that's that's a lot. I don't think he can last that long. I was gonna say like nine and a half. Okay, all right. Let's go with nine and a half. It's one one fifty right now. Okay, yeah. so we'll look right, at one fifty. So, so here's the description. This knit beanie from Forty Seven Brand will keep your head warm. Yes, it will. I'll vouch for that. Yeah, these lights we have here, they're not warm. They're LED lights, so it's the heat's not coming from the lights. <laughs> Embroidered VT logo on the cuff. One size fits on the on the. Yeah, I'm pointing at the right place. One size fits most. One hundred percent acrylic. So. We just talked a lot about Miami's offense and De'Eric King. What does the Hurricanes' defense look like? We dive into that right now on episode 150 of the Tech Sideline podcast as Virginia Tech plays host to number 9 Miami this weekend inside of Lane Stadium. Chris, you talked about it a little bit earlier in the podcast. You detailed this in your game preview, which is up on techsideline.com right now. Their defensive ends and their D-line looks to be the strength of their defense. Those defensive ends, uh, Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche. Roche, uh, Roche? I think. Is that yeah. Roche. Yeah. Uh, they're really, really good. And it's really a good matchup because they're Miami's two best offensive players and – or, excuse me, defensive players. Meanwhile, at Virginia Tech, Christian Derrissaw is Tech's, from a grading standpoint, best offensive player. And Luke Tenuta's up there, too. I mean, Tenuta and Darisol might actually be the best offensive tackle combo in the country. In, in the country. So, which is hard to believe. I mean, you say, when you look at a 4-3 and three team that just lost to Liberty, you run, sometimes you, you, you kind of think, oh, man, that team's not any good. They don't have any good players, right? And, and Tech has a lot of good players. Unfortunately, they're all concentrated on one side of the ball. And Tech has a lot of good players on offense. Um, and so that I, I think that's a good matchup. That's a matchup to watch. Those yeah. those offensive tackles against Miami's defensive ends. And the, and 
if Virginia Tech's offensive tackles win that battle, then Virginia Tech's going to move the football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Real quick, pro football focus grades of the tackles that Will was just referring to, Christian Darisaw, 95.8. <laughs> That's um, oh, well, no, I've, I've, I, I did an inside the numbers last week against Darisaw, and since PFF began gra- doing grades in 2014, he is the highest grading Virginia Tech football player. Uh. Right tackle. For Virginia Tech, Luke Tanun is an 87.4 grade. I bring that up because the pro football focus grades for Jalen Phillips, 82, and Quincy Roche is a 78.7. So if you're looking for a matchup going into this weekend, Will, it feels like that's the one you should look out for in the trenches. And and Roche, you probably remember his name because he visited Tech as a grad transfer from Temple. He left Blacksburg all but committed to Virginia Tech. He went to a basketball game or something like that. Yeah, really liked it, liked the coaching staff. Uh, from what I understand, there was an issue like they didn't know if they could get him in academically, or there was some academic stuff that need to be needed to be processed, and it didn't get done, or they weren't sure they could get him in academically. And then Miami came in with an offer and guaranteed him admission, and he went there. He said some very encouraging things, and the tech coaching staff thought they were going to get right. him, and then there was a hiccup, and that was the and end that of that. Was it. Things move quickly, you know, and and. Apparently that's what happened there, and and I'd like to have the guy, but we were talking before before we went on the air with the podcast that that that's not really defensive ends uh, isn't yeah, really what Tech's tech defensive needs. ends are playing pretty well this year. Yeah. Uh, Mari yeah. Barno's playing well. Yeah. Uh, Reed has been well. Don't get me wrong, I'd like to have him, but if you told me right now, like, oh, you can pick a defensive end or a defensive tackle to add to your team, I'm taking that or defensive a, or tackle a linebacker. or a linebacker for yeah, for yeah. Sure. I'm not sure it would change the one loss record to have him here. I don't think it would. Yeah. Uh. Uh, you mentioned the word linebacker. Let's talk about Miami's linebackers real quick because you go from a big strength of their team on the D-line, just talking about yeah. Phillips and Roche, as uh, the headline and and uh, 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 the subhead of Chris's uh, game preview here. Big weakness at linebacker. Zach McLeod, Bradley Jennings Jr., Sam Brooks Jr. all have less than a 50 Pro football focus grade. McLeod, 49.7. Jennings Jr., 45.1. Brooks Jr., 42.2. And I think I included – all right. So, Virginia Tech's linebackers, Tisdale has been pretty good this year. But other than that, they have not played well. So, what are Virginia Tech's linebackers' grades? Compare it. Alan Tisdale's a 64.3. Rayshard Ashby, a 51.3. And Axe Hollyfield is a 45.2. So, by the pro football focus grades, Hollyfield would be the second best linebacker on Miami's and team. Holyfield hasn't been good at all, decidedly bad yeah. for the most part, and yet he would be Miami's second best linebacker. So that shows you how bad Miami's linebackers are. I don't know the reasoning for that because a guy like Zach McLeod is a senior and he's been playing there for a long, long time. I mean, it seems like I think it was 2016 when Miami rolled into Blacksburg and started three true freshman linebackers, and he was one of them. And he ended up redshirting at, at some point uh, along the line. Yeah, and the other two were really good yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And McLeod's a, a good player. Or he has been a, a pretty good player. And so I don't know what's wrong, what's happened to him this year. I mean. Yeah, I haven't watched enough Miami football to tell you. Uh, yeah. I just I, know I, that when they played Louisville, I had that on. And by on, I always mean I'm looking at my phone, looking at the game, looking at my right. phone, looking at the game. And Miami controlled that game, but Louisville, you know, they, they went up and down the field yeah, and scored plenty of points. So, like, Miami's linebackers are, we- are a weakness, and I think Khalil Herbert would have would be in line for a big game, and James Mitchell, if they're going to play, and if they're 100%, we just don't know. Yeah, so I have, no expl- I have no explanation for Zach McLeod being bad this year. Like, 
Some guys, I think, just didn't take the offseason seriously because they didn't think there was going to be a season. And we don't know what guys are facing at home, you know. Right, right. So here, here's something that worries me about the Miami defense. Uh, they have the league's lowest missed tackle rate at 14%. Mm. They are the best tackling team in the league. They bend but don't break. And, they, and Wake Forest was a good tackling mm-hmm. team. Uh, Liberty tackled very well. And that's, I think that's where the absence of Khalil Herbert really hurts you because mm-hmm. he, can avo- he, can, he can avoid tackles and break tackles. So if, if you talk about everybody else on Tech's team, and, you know, you've, you've seen it. Uh, I, just, I thought that's one of the problems Tech had against Liberty was just when Liberty hit them, they tackled them. One thing I do want to bring up, and you might have mentioned this while I was looking at the comments, but uh, worth bringing up again, that uh, Jalen Phillips, back to their, one of their defensive ends, uh, ranks third in the ACC in win rate, which means percentage of the time you beat your blocker at 19.8%. One out of so, every five times. That's a lot. So again, yeah, but yeah, thinking we'll about see the if he can do that against Tanuta and Darius right? Yeah, I think you said in your article. I mean, this is going to be an NFL NFL defensive ends potentially going up against NFL tackles, right? Yeah. So yeah, cool if if they let people in the stands or in stadiums this year, there would be NFL scouts at the game on Saturday. Now I did see. No, there were NFL scouts uh, in the press box for the first time in, in the Liberty game. There oh, was, were there were really? three guys in front of me. Yeah. yeah, and and of course you ask them who are you looking at, and they're like, oh, we're looking at everybody. Uh-huh. No, you're, no, you're not. <laughs> no, it's like when you see, it's like when you see. It's like, scouts I, at a minor league like, or like, summer collegiate I league. sat next to an NBA scout at a tech game a couple of years ago, and I knew exactly who he was looking at. Right, right. <laughs> um, so uh, I did I did catch Jalen Phillips. He's number 15. I caught him dogging it during that game against uh, NC State. I texted Chris about it. You know, I, just, I watched him. I don't know. I don't remember the specific circumstances of the game, but I think he was a little gassed, and he was just kind of standing up and holding his blocker, you know. So go at him, tech man. Get him to do that. All right, so let's transition to special teams real quick because it is worth mentioning. We went from talking about Alex Barbier last week and two <laughs> of six beyond 30 yards. Well, Jose Borgales is one of the best kickers in and, the and country. He's the best kicker in the history of football. Let's go all the way in. And he he will never miss a kick, ever. <laughs> he he, he, his range is good to 60 yards. <laughs> he is automatic under 50. Oh. We don't know if any of this is true. So he's a transfer from Florida International. He's 13 of 14 on the year with a long of 57 yards. That's an NFL kick right there. He's number two in FBS in career field goals made with 63, 63. trailing only Jake Verity of East Carolina with uh, 72. So, so how about that? So, e- so, ECU's got the kicker with the most career field goals. How about that? So how, so basically, if you're a Miami offense, all you have to do is pick up three first downs, and, and then even if you get stopped, you're going to score. score. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. to make from 57, really, if you're just about the 40-yard line, you're, you're oh, in yeah. field goal range. Yeah, I bet that would have been good from 59. So, oh, uh, too soon? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly from 51. I actually think Bor- <laughs> <laughs> And I believe Borgos, by the way, is a lefty kicker. Don't see that every day. Huh. Boy, that would be hard to hold for. Gosh. So, yeah, you really Ooh, think about it. You really I, don't see many lefty kickers. College, NFL. Yeah, I don't sit around looking for lefty kickers either. So when you see one, you, you think, oh, what's that looks weird. Oh, he's a lefty. <laughs> yeah, I, be, yeah, I believe he is. But uh, yeah. anyway, so, okay, so that's a look at the special teams. That's our preview. Number nine, Miami. Well, no, wait a minute. you got to talk about the punter too, didn't you? You want to talk about the punter? Okay. I was trying to conserve time to make sure we had uh, enough. Uh, Headley is his name. Yes. Uh, he averages 46.3 yards per punt. Kane's ranked number 13 in the nation in net punting. Uh, Virginia Tech is number five at 40.3 net yards per punt. So, Headley, Bradburn, 
pretty similar in, in stats there. I just yeah. don't know that they're going to have to punt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, the only other thing I can think that I researched was that uh, uh, Miami gives up close to 26 yards per kickoff return, but they've only had 11 returned against them, and one of those was for a touchdown, so that kind of skews the average. Other than that, they're kind of right about where Tech is, around 17 or 18 yards of return. So I ask you guys now, it's the point of the podcast, we're right in our time for predictions. Chris, you brought up something in your article called the Law of Averages. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast. You think it could be time for Miami to lose. They might be due for a loss. However, this offense is clicking, solid defensive ends. Can Virginia Tech beat Miami? Are you picking the Hokies? I'm, I, I, they can beat them. And I brought up the law of averages before the UVA game last year. I said I think Tech is better than UVA, but the law of averages, UVA is going to have to win this game at some point. And I was particularly concerned because UVA was much better than Tech in 2018, but Tech still won the game, right? So that means, like, UVA is really due to win after that, and then, and then they won. As far as the law of averages go, it's like Miami's six and one. I honestly don't think they're good enough across the board to be a seven and one football team. Like you're gonna, if they beat the Hokies, they'll be seven and one. You know, rank seventh in the country or whatever they'll be after this week. And I don't think that's who they are. Uh, I think they're due to drop another game. Um, they're not going to lose to Georgia Tech, but you know they still play UNC and. Their schedule is Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, UNC. They could lose to Wake Forest or UNC uh, and get that loss that they're due, I think. But, but I just – or it could be to Virginia Tech. But I just – I hope it's Virginia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just don't see it. Like, I didn't see last year's result either, but uh, – like, if I thought Virginia, if I knew with 100% certainty that James Mitchell was going to be 100% healthy and that Khalil Herbert, and that Khalil Herbert was going to be 100% and that Rayshard Ashby was going to play yeah. and that Jermaine Waller was going to play because, you know, Waller hasn't played, he, what has he played, two games this year? and they, Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And These guys he, are all he, in doubt. Yeah, and so it's like a lot of your best players may not play. And... That's that's no way to go into a game with, with with Miami, which Miami might be getting stronger. Like they might be getting one of their best offensive players back, Brevin Jordan. Brevin Jordan. They have, didn't they have some COVID issues on defense? Uh, that I don't know. I, I, didn't I get think Fuente talked about that or something research. today. But like I think Miami's more likely to get stronger this game if they get Jordan back. And I just, I don't know that Virginia Tech is going to be as strong this week as they were like two weeks ago. And so I, I, don't, I can't see it. I, I think Tech will score, but I've got it 37-27 Miami. Yeah, I, I went with 38-28. Um, I, I, I think that's probably too conservative. I see Miami putting up over 40. Um, if Liberty, with, with ball control offense, put up 38, I think Miami can well, put up over 40. I, I think Tech's going to try to do the same thing that Liberty did to Virginia Tech last week, I think Tech's going to try to do the same thing to Miami. They're yeah. going to run the clock down and burn as much clock as possible. And that's what I think why I really picked Miami to score 37 is because I don't think there's going to be as many plays in this game. I could be wrong. One of my favorite things in prepping for this podcast, and Will always brings it up at the bottom of the game preview, we want to get your prediction. The prediction and, poll. And, and, and so last week there were 1,099 votes. So 1,100 votes. Who is going to win between Virginia Tech and Liberty? Oh. A combined 
50 people of the 1,100 picked Liberty. So the 50 Liberty 60 fans. people, actually. 38 plus 22. I can't do math. That is really bad math. Yes. Yeah, oh, I was people. an engineering major. Thank you. So That's, 60 uh, out of 1,100. 60 out of 1,100 picked Liberty in any capacity, whether that was 11 plus or whether that was 1 to 10. This week, 45%. 124 votes say Miami wins by 11-plus. There's a, t- a total of 278 votes in the poll right now. Uh, the, the the viewers on TechSideline.com, the subscribers say that Miami, let's see, 124 plus 66. So that's nearly, Will, you're looking at close to 200 of the that's 278. Yeah, so, so basically 68% of voters think Miami's going to win this one so right. far. I'm actually... <laughs> I think if if they were all neutral voters and they weren't Miami fans, they weren't Tech fans, I think that number would be higher. I, is Virginia Tech still favored? Is Virginia Tech last as of last night was favored by two and a half. The ESPN ESPN FPI or whatever it is predictor gives Tech something like a sixty percent chance of winning. Well, yeah, here's the thing. Like, I'm just I'm baffled well, by the, all like, that. The numbers are like like Tech scores a lot of points, um, and. So, so there's that, but I just I don't think people realize that Herbert might not play. Yeah. That, that's that's just a strange that's a strange one to me. All right, well it's two oh five. We're an hour and five minutes in. I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about basketball, and then we'll get to some questions on uh, on YouTube Live, and then we'll wrap up this milestone podcast here. So, Hokey Hoops, gentlemen, starts in two weeks. It's gonna be here two and a half weeks. It's gonna be here just before you know it. Uh, Virginia uh, Tech, two, two, two weeks. Today's the twelfth, right? It right, starts the twenty fifth. Thirteen days, 13 man. Days. Two Thirteen weeks. Thirteen days away. Uh, the schedule just came out. Virginia Tech's going to open their season against the Radford Highlanders. A little New River Valley action to open the season. Uh, Chris, the article, uh, excuse me, the schedule came out, and Virginia Tech was predicted to finish eleventh out of fifteen teams in the ACC. I know how busy you are with football, and I know the next 13 days we're going to be getting ready here at Tech Sideline for basketball, but mm. just looking at that 11 out of 15, is that about right? Not knowing hardly anything about the rest of the ACC, probably. Um, the schedule is going to be more difficult this year than it was last year. Tech is going to have more size, and they're going to have more experience. Uh, so that, on, on the one hand, that's better, but also at the same time, the schedule is going to be more difficult. So I think it kind of balances itself out. Um, you know, I, I think I think Tech will have some good moments this year, but I also think I think once you see the product, you'll also you'll also recognize that the program under Mike Young is still developing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, last year, let's see from last year's team, uh, Landers Nolly transferred to Memphis. I think that's addition by subtraction. Um, they also uh, PJ Horn transferred out and wound up at Georgia. Um, PJ just you know as 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 we've covered over and over and over. PJ just didn't really have a future in the program. The poor guy was a six was a six, six five player. Six center. five post player, and, right? Um, and then Isaiah Wilkins was the other one who transferred out. And and like like Horn Wilkins uh did didn't have really have a future in the program but tech will see him because he's playing for wake and Forest. he got cleared to play right away i think all three of them got cleared to play well pj is a graduate Grad transfer. transfer yeah well of course he did and and wilkins absolutely should have uh and i'm sure yeah. Uh, yeah because 
Mike Young was honest with him and said, look, yeah. you can come back if you want to, but you're not, but, going, you're, not but you're not a fit for my system. Right. So he was honest with him. So, and when that, when a situation like that happens, then that player should be cleared to play right away. And I've heard Wilkins may start for Wake Forest. I've heard oh, that, that would well. be awesome. Yeah. yeah well, I hope he does. Cool. He's a good dude. He's a real good dude. Yeah. Um, and so from the, from high school recruiting ranks, they added Darius Maddox and, um, uh, Joe Bamisil and Bamisil yeah. is and David and Gison. Yeah. And David, I think the N is silent. I think, I think you're right. David, David Gesson. He's, he's a, he's a six, eight, six, nine Ford kind of skinny about two ten, but, uh, but fairly athletic. And, and Bamisil is supposedly the guy who is, is really got a really bright future, very athletic. So, so they lose those three guys to transfer. They add three freshmen and, uh, then just a pile of transfers. Cordell re- Pemsel. And, and as I believe all of these guys are eligible. First of all, Kevin Aluma, uh, who who played for Mike Young at Wofford, transferred last year and sat out. He becomes eligible post player, and that's a guy that will know Young's system mm-hmm. and be able to. He was a starter for him at Wofford. That's he right. started for him at the four at Wofford. Probably if the, um, Young said last week if the season started tomorrow, he'd start for us and he would start at center. Really? He can play the four or the five. Interesting. At Tech. And Mutz. Uh, Justin, Justin Mutz. Justin Mutz. Funny, I, I used to all, I've wrote in articles multiple times. It's like, we need a real junkyard dog with that undersized power forward, and then we get Mutz. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. And you got Cartier Diara, <laughs> who's a point guard from Kansas State, very athletic. But um, when, I remember when, uh, when Diara uh, signed with Virginia Tech, we did some research on him. And and he's very athletic and can go to the hole, which Tech really needs. But he turns it over a lot, which is a bad fit for a Mike Young offense. So it's going to be interesting to see can can Coach Young and his system coach that out of DR. Well, well, the interesting thing is, like I look at his three point percentage, and it was very good as a freshman, gradually declining. Yeah. Oh, okay, as a, as a sophomore, and then bad as a junior. Um, he took more shots as a junior. I, I just. I don't think he played on a very well. I know he I think he's trying to do. Too I know much. he didn't play on a very good team as a junior, yeah. and uh, and I think he's in a better situation now. So I, I'd be very surprised if his turnover. Uh, I don't think his turnover rate will be a problem. the The bigger question is how good of a shooter is he? Yeah. Um, if his freshman and sophomore year numbers are more reflective of how good of a shooter he is, then you could play him with would be Sabidi. But if his junior, if he's if who he is really as a shooter is his junior year numbers, then I, I don't see how you can play him and Beattie together very much at the same time. But he is a very good defender, so if Tech is holding a late lead, then I think you see those two guys on the court together. That's right, yeah. that's right. And so, so Justin Mutz out of Delaware, got a lot of playing experience, post player. Cordell Pimsel out of Iowa. Um, he's, a, he's a pretty good player. Um, uh, he's had some injuries um, but he was backing up the best player, arguably the best player in, yeah. in the country in Iowa. So they'll they will join returning uh, uh, starters Tyrese Radford, Nahim Alina, Wabisa Beatty, and key reserves and, and guys who started at times Jalen Cohn, Hunter Couture, and John Ogiaco. And Ogiaco is a guy that that if if you want to put a Luma at the four, Ogiaco has to be. A guy who can be effective at the five. I, th- I think it's a big year for him. This is his third year in the program, Chris. Is that right? Ojiako second. He was a freshman last Good. year. Good. Okay. Yep. Excellent. Um, I, I, lo- I love that dude. Sophomore. Uh, right? He's he's going to get everything. He's going to get. He's he's from Nigeria, and uh, 
I thought this was interesting. I, you know, uh, during games when they ask tech players questions, they put them up on the video board for mm-hmm. the interviews and things like that. And they asked all the tech players last year, like, cookies or ice cream? That's a typical thing you would you would ask an American kid, right? And they all had their own answer because American kids grow up eating cookies and ice cream. And Ojiako's answer was neither. I like healthy food. So, like, I think that guy is going to get the absolute most out of his ability at Virginia Tech. And I think he has a lot of ability. Yeah. I'm going to have to take cookies on that. But good answer with the uh, the uh, healthy uh, – I'm, I'm an ice cream guy, man. Ice cream. Honestly, you can mix them both together. And then, there you go. I, I, can ju- I can just eat chocolate chip ice cream just over and over and over. It's crazy. If I want to mix it up, I'll throw some peanuts in it. So as we record on Thursday, season starts in 13 days. So we'll have coverage on techsideline.com. Uh, it's going to be that week is when our basketball coverage will start, the bye week. Because right. we, we run so much content these days that I, I literally don't – I wouldn't have time to do a, any a decent job of anything if I tried to – combine it with football coverage d- during a week i mean there's now just... that that said we've got uh, uh jake lyman who... J- jake watched the press conference this morning was yeah. there on it and we are going to have an article yeah. on, on that um but like i personally am not going to write anything i think you ought to until... sign jake to uh to write a preview kind of a kind of a roster breakdown yeah we'll probably we'll so let's just have the editorial meeting right here on the podcast. There we go. Uh, <laughs> at Jake Lyman, for those that missed the press conference this morning, he was doing live tweet updates, and you can go to at Jake Lyman to uh, see some of the highlights on his Twitter. Oh, actually, it's Lyman I, Jake. I haven't Lyman read his, his article yet. Maybe it's so long and good it can serve as a preview. I don't know. Break it up into but multiple parts. We, have, we haven't had a chance to really think about it yet, yeah. man. At yeah. Lyman Jake, 100%. That <clears> is his Twitter. Uh, okay, let's dive into some questions here on YouTube Live, and then we'll wrap things up. Let's get to some questions. For the record, I still have the beanie on. You I, do. I we do. God, you made it. I have stabilized. So you were right. Gosh, Evan, he went even. You said you said over and under was twenty, and he's made it twenty-four. I've well, been drinking a lot of water. I can already tell you that Eric Fisher was commenting about that, and he said, "I'm taking the under on twenty minutes and on nine and a half." Oh. So mm. you uh, you beat Eric Fisher. Let's get to some questions, though. Um, Let's see. I don't think it's especially hotter in here today than it normally is, too. Eric Fisher asks, can Raheem Blackshear be the next Rodgers or Keene in the offense? No. He's just different. He's he's different. Um, Those guys were blockers. Right. I mean, one was more fullback, one was more tight end, but but – it's a, it, it would be kind of a waste of Raheem Blackshear if you used him at that spot, in my opinion. Uh, and the, both those guys were the H-backs in yeah. Virginia Tech's <clears throat> offense, and he's not going to be an, an H-back. Um, so as far as, as being I, I, a understand, player. I understand like, what he means. Like, he's, a, he's a versatile guy. Like, I don't, if I made up a depth chart for Virginia Tech tomorrow, I don't know. I wouldn't even like put him at running back or wide receiver. I'd be like... X, you know, the you, you, fa- you know, you, in fantasy football, you get your flex. Ah, yeah, flex. flex. Yeah, he's 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 the flex guy. And also the utility man in baseball, you can put him anywhere. Right, exactly. <clears throat> Andrew McClung writes: If Virginia Tech wins this weekend against Miami, what is your final record prediction? Vice versa for a loss. Hmm. All right. And I'll read out the well, what, schedule. What's, yeah. What's the rest of the schedule? So the schedule goes: Number nine, Miami at home this week. Next week at Pittsburgh. And then hosting Clemson, and then hosting Virginia. So our bye is before Clemson, right? Yes. So it's like 
Can't we get a bye week before someone we have a chance to beat? Before UVA. It's, I mean, before UVA or before, or before Pitt. before Pitt, yeah. Uh, right, I mean, <clears throat> having a bye week before Clemson, it's just like, what's the point? <laughs> like, the, all right, they've already got their loss out of the way. You think they're losing two games? Uh, We'd be better off. Honestly, you can't get away with this because that's just not how coaches think. But we'd be better off if we just prepared for UVA. Prepared for UVA. Conceded, conceded the Clemson game. Very interesting. That would be better strategy. That's not how football coaches think. Right. Right? There's no football coach that would actually do that. But on paper, it would be better. Uh, it, so so the question is, if they beat Miami, what's your record prediction? Okay, so if if they lose, and if they lose, what's your record right, prediction? So Miami would be the fifth win, right? Five and three. Yeah, this would be five and three. I think they'd go seven and four. Beat beat Pitt mm. and Virginia and lose to Clemson. I am going six and five, no matter what. Six and five, no matter what. So okay. you think? So you think they'll go six and five? Well, that I made it. Yeah, that would, that actually makes more sense because I just picked them. To, I just picked them to basically do exactly what they're supposed to do over the last three games, right? right? Or right. what most most people would think they right. should do. Um. I let's say they'd be four and four. If they if they lost, they'd be four they and lost. four. I I think this team is either going to go six and five or five and six. If they okay. lose this week, um, mm. let's count Clemson as a loss. Right. So that'd come down to Pitt and UVA. <laughs> I don't know where Pitt is mentally. <laughs> like their best player just opted out. Yeah. Right. Which forward. which is a sign that the players might be. They they've lost four games in a row. Is that right? They've no. They finally beat Florida State, but everybody does right. that. Yeah. So they've lost. Four games in a row. Except North Carolina. <laughs> Except North Carolina. They've, they've <laughs> lost four games in a row to teams that pose a threat. So uh, I, I, I I'm think, going six and five. I, I think Tech will beat Pitt. Um, I don't think it'll be pretty. Uh, they'll lose to Clemson and and UVA. I don't know. UVA is two and four, but they also it's, beat it's UNC. Funny. Yeah, I've I've seen. I thought UVA looked really good against UNC, but the games I saw them prior to that, I, I thought they looked slow. They're, they're right. And so it's weird. Well, they look like a team filled with guys whose recruiting rankings were in the 70s, right? Which is what Bronco, the level Bronco was recruiting at. That is correct. Right. I have a feeling I know where you guys are going to go with this answer. Jacob Yates asks a question. I'm going to take what you said, Jacob, and rephrase it for Will and Chris. How can You're Justin... going to remove the profanity? No, there's no profanity. <laughs> no, no, no. Very... How can Justin Fuente win the fan base back? Oh, gosh. Uh, he can't. He can take some short-term steps. He can uh, keep the ball streak alive and get the cut back. Like, I, nope, nope, nobody expects to beat Clemson. I don't think anybody expects to beat Miami. But if we have good performances in the other two games, Pitt and UVA, and you keep the ball streak alive, uh, I, I don't know... I don't know whether Tech, he needs to make any assistant changes or not, and even if he did... I don't think it'll matter. I don't think... I don't think what kind of money are you going to have to spend on assistant coaches well, this year anyway? We're, we're, we're talking about I, – I just hmm. – To me, to me the, the biggest thing he can do is is in the offseason. I'm actually going to write about this in the Q&A this week. So I, 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 and I'm consulting the strength and conditioning coach and some other people about it. I've asked some questions because I'm not really ready to give my answer yet. <laughs> to me, the biggest thing is, is what he can do in the offseason as far as complete player buy-in – Getting everybody looking the part, looking like an an ACC football team across the board, 
And that's the thing is we won't be able to tell that until the first game next year. Yeah, well, Chris is right. about to talk about what I'm about to talk about are things that happen over long periods of time. There's nothing he can do between now and the end of the season to quote. Because even if they go out there, some th- there's been an interesting phrase in use this week. Uh, words to the effect of beating Miami would show you just how bad the loss to Liberty was. I wrote the last line of my article last week was, it wouldn't shock me if Tech went out and beat Miami next week. And, of course, that would make the Liberty loss even more frustrating. You know, and, and so let's say let's say he even goes out there and beats Clemson. You know, there is a portion of the fan base that's just going to roll their eyes and go, when's the next Liberty? When's the next ODU? Mm-hmm. When's the next Duke? So, like, we have to perform more consistently. Like, I would say through the end of next season. Or, or maybe even longer than that. Who knows? Uh, yeah. because I, I, if, you, if you're going to lose games, like, lose to someone that the fan base feels like, okay, like, Maybe you still even feel like you should have won the game, but you can understand the loss. Well, the model is the UNC loss where they played hard, they were outmanned, but you respected the effort and you understood that North Carolina was a good football team. Right. right. That day, anyway. Yeah. Florida, right, Florida State disagrees. I know we're running a little bit long, but we have some really good questions. It is a milestone podcast. Let's get a couple more in. Question, a really intriguing question, actually. Um, this is from Michael. He asks, with ESPN issuing more layoffs in the last couple of weeks and the fact that ESPN has had to keep cutting costs over the last several years, do you see a future where ESPN doesn't broadcast college football, more importantly, hokey football? Interesting question because it's been really sad to see all the layoffs that have been happening. Some really talented people have been let go by ESPN. So I think that's a really interesting question. I'll, I'll go and jump. I don't know if I see a scenario because college football brings in so much revenue yeah, let me, let me for go ESPN. But. I think you'll see what you're already seeing, which is a doubling down on the SEC, the Big Ten, and Clemson. Mm-hmm. I, I think they will just squeeze everybody out to the point where that's all they talk about. They're kind of arguing they're already there. And I get it, man. I, I get the emails about their ratings, and it's always higher for – Notre Dame, Clemson, SEC, and Big Ten. Oh, they'll continue to, like, I mean, they're going to keep televising college football, especially yeah, yeah. those big teams. Uh, so, for like, Virginia, Virginia Tech is, we'll have our ESPN games, but, but like, we're never going to be cut off from that network unless, like, something happens to the landscape of college football and there's a first division of football teams and we're not in that first division anymore. Right. That, that's the only scenario where I could see that. Uh playing out uh, ESPN will continue to cut employees and try to get cheap labor to 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 save a buck or so to speak I mean and I'm not criticizing for that because I realize the financial pressures everybody is under these days but that's just going to lead to more oh the UVA logo instead of Virginia Tech's logo on their graphics or and th- you know we see and saying that. that Corey Moore went to UVA when right they, when they put a graphic exactly out. right um so they're going to it's going to be some 19 year old college intern who doesn't even know where Blacksburg is and honestly he when he grew up in his most impressionable age when he's maybe 13 years old Virginia Tech was six and six and, and not very good at football. So he has no idea that Virginia Tech used to be good, that yeah, intern. Yeah. So he shouldn't know, for example, that Corey Moore. You know, so it's like when you don't have professional people doing that and you turn to like interns or low, low paid employees, you're not going to get as good a quality. So expect more mistakes like that from ESPN, but expect the Virginia Tech broadcast to continue. So, so let me tell you what you're going to see in Virginia Tech's schedule. You're going to see what you're seeing this year. 
They were on ABC against North Carolina because, you know, ESPN loves them some Mac Brown. Um, the next ESPN, well, let's see. Her ESPN it, against uh, NC State, right? Or was that ACC Network? That was, that was ACC, ACC Network. Network. That was prime time ACC. So the That's next right, one is yeah. they're playing Miami, so they're on ESPN too. They're going to play Clemson, so they'll be on ABC or ESPN. And so Virginia Tech's not the driver here anymore. The driver is who are they playing. That's when they're going to show up on ESPN. Other than that, eh. Will, read me that list real quick again. You said uh, how many games have been on the ACC Network real quick. Tell me off the uh, So ACC Network was NC State at 8 p.m., Duke at 4 p.m., Boston College at 8 p.m., uh, Louisville at 4 p.m., and now uh, – Pit at 4 p.m. on ACC Network. What is that, five games? That's five. We don't know the last two yet. Yeah. The point I want to make real quick, and I'm curious what it's going to be on ESPN this week, but one thing you're seeing in the industry right now is a lot of the broadcasters are not at the stadiums this year. And I'm sure That's a lot correct. of that might be COVID-related and trying to keep the broadcasters uh, safe. But, you know, you watch the primetime ACC Network – they're doing that, you know, from their living rooms, and but, it's over Zoom. And so you wonder if that's a model moving forward, even uh, po- after COVID. Will we see that ESPN and other networks maybe trying in and, and save money and not sending as many teams, broadcast teams there? You know, uh, I mean, honestly, I, I know this isn't true from a money standpoint of the money coming in, but like, I think college football is over covered. Like, I feel overwhelmed by it sometimes. It's just like they talk about the same thing. Like, how many times can you talk about Trevor Lawrence or the same subjects over and over and over again? And that's what they do. So, like, I've blocked it out, and I don't even watch ESPN anymore because of that. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I think they'll continue to do stuff like that. Uh, Bill Roth was at the Florida Georgia game this past week. Called it on Westwood One. Uh, speaking of, uh, speaking of people attending games and things like that. So I don't think ESPN will do that unless it's for their lower level broadcasts, like their ESPN U broadcasts and stuff like that, yeah. maybe. But I don't think you'll ever see a primetime ESPN game no. where it's Auburn versus LSU and the announcers are calling the game from their couch. So we could actually talk about this stuff for a whole podcast, but part of what's making this possible is the implementation of the SEC network and the ACC network. All the schools have built up their broadcast capability. So you can now just utilize their cameras and production Mm -hmm. capability. And so I'm sitting here thinking as we're talking, if if Mark Herslick is going to be doing ACC network games from his living room, then I think what ESPN needs to do is go into Herslick's house or his garage or whatever and set up about eight monitors with all the different views so that Herslick is not watching the same camera angle we're watching mm-hmm. and saying things that we can see with our own eyes. He has to be able to look at yeah, all of it. Right. You know? yeah. So maybe that's an evolution that you'll see. Uh, so far, I believe they have been, the sideline reporters have been in have the state. It's, 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 not, it's not worth the risk. And I'll give you an example of like, uh, I've got a friend that works for NASCAR, a friend I went to college with, and she produces shows. Um, and at one point, and this was before COVID, when NASCAR was cutting back expenses, right? Mm-hmm. And they were televising a race. I don't, I don't, I don't know what level it was. Um, but they weren't sending, to save expenses, they weren't sending announcers on the road. So the announcers were calling the game from the studio. And so she was filming them, you know, while they're calling the race that they're watching on television in the studio, right? Well, and just like that, the feed goes out. So they can't see it anymore. <laughs> so, the, so, so that like the people at home are watching the race on television and then the announcers are like trying to call it and they're like, uh, oopsie. 
we guess this guy still won the lead, you know? So if stuff like that happens, yeah. I mean, it, it will happen at some point, and they'll look stupid when it does. Yeah, well. Okay, I, I wanted to get to 227. You know why? Because that officially puts it as the longest podcast we've ever done. So on the milestone, <laughs> really? just I, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. So I don't. I may. I might need to well, go back. Well, and go so the Jeff Holland listens to these things, and the one Jeff and I did was over two hours. Actually, you're right about that. And Jeff Holland commented in the beginning of the show when we were talking about uh, Tech Sideline and the evolution of the podcast. He commented, "Jeff Holland, TSL podcast number 54 is probably their best one." Of the <laughs> yeah, for sure. uh, oh, a couple man. of that, other that uh, a couple other fun notes in the chats. By the way, Eric Fisher and all caps spurtles and tack shavers for everyone with an exclamation point. You get a spurtle. You get a spurtle. You and, get a spurtle. Uh, there were a bunch of people. Hey, uh, Evan, Evan, look under your seat. <laughs> There's not a spurtle in just it's the Oprah Winfrey show instead of everyone gets <laughs> uh and there was a lot of people asking about uh gear. Uh someone asked, uh, is there a tech sideline Christmas ornament? Uh people asking about polos and shirts and so anyways, there a should lot, be, there a should lot be of a comments Christmas about the tech sideline. Okay, so you're gonna get everybody in the company a freaking spurtle for Christmas, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, the, the tech sideline logo on it. Um uh, so we're, we're transitioning from a, an apparel and merchandise store that we had hosted by K2 Awards in Richmond to uh, uh, a new store, which will be a, apparel only. And I, I don't have a deadline for launching that. I'm kind of busy. But uh, this like this uh, Under Armour uh, polo that I'm wearing right now is, is off of the new store. And we're going to have some and we're actually going to have some women's apparel, you know, specifically designed for women, not just, hey, go buy a guy's T-shirt. So we got something new coming. Awesome. And, and I guess I guess I need to roll that out before Christmas if people want gifts. Well, anyways, thanks to that. everybody for chiming in. Thanks. You guys for staying on the set a little bit longer. Great. Uh, literally the last two podcasts, we've had some excellent, excellent questions. So appreciate right. everybody chiming in. All right. Well, 150 podcasts down. And 150 more to go. A great more tech sideline podcast. So we've got our new uh, sign up on the set today. We've got the new music. We've got a lot of things going right now here at TSL, and, and that'll wrap things up. Normal week of content tomorrow. We've got a Friday Q&A from Chris Coleman. I've already started on it, man. i got to really start this week. He's ahead. Look yeah. at that. Well, I hope you guys in, uh, enjoy your weekend. To, put, to and- put context into the Q&A, I go all the way back to Frank Beamer's book, Turn Up the Wick which came out in the 2000 uh, in the year 2000 mm-hmm. for research. So there's going to be a lot of perspective in this week's Q&A. And so one thing I would recommend is uh, check out Brandon Patterson's uh, review of the Liberty game. Um, uh, Brandon is, he's just, he's just really good at calmly explaining things. And, and we have sat here and talked about how Virginia tech didn't have uh, a spring to go through to learn their defense and, and implement a new defensive scheme. But there was something about the way Brandon said it. He said, if you look around college football and you look at teams that had coaching changes, um, didn't get to go through any spring practice, and they were hit hard by COVID early, you know, there weren't many of them. Virginia Tech is one of them. The LSU defense. They changed changed coordinators in the offseason and didn't get a chance to practice whatever. In, in the spring, and now they can't stop anybody. And, they got and that's lit the LSU up. defense. That, and they got lit up by a, a Mississippi State team that can't score against anybody right, right. else. Right, and, right, and that's Bo Pelini. Like, we know Bo Pelini's an elite defensive yeah, coach. Yeah. We know it. 
So, so, so Brandon just he puts things in perspective right. and is a calming, analytical voice. Which, even though Chris and I try to be as analytical as possible, it's difficult because we are subjected to the the raw blast of emotion on Twitter and the message boards right. for it's, days it's following. Ca- a it's kind of hard to not to separate yourself from yeah. that. He um, does a good job. Separating. He does a really good job of that. And you know, I will point out, and we haven't pointed this out in since the beginning of the season, but you know, you know, at one point Virginia Tech's defensive line coach this year was Jared Hewitt. Yeah, I mean, how good do you really expect him to be when, for part of the preseason, a coach or a player is coaching the defensive line? Yeah, right. So, so anyway, let's go. That'll wrap things up. Milestone Podcast, episode one hundred and fifty. Thanks for being a part of it, and we look forward to many great podcasts moving forward. That'll wrap things up for our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager who wore the beanie for over 40 minutes, Will Stewart, (laughs) the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. My name is Evan Hughes saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 150 of the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you on Monday morning at 10 (laughs) a.m. 